The Sunshine Patriot in a crisis shrinks from the service of their country. The winter is coming. Did you hear the call? Winter is coming, and we know what is coming with it. No matter your thoughts or convictions, you must be prepared for the hardships that come with the winter. No matter your current position on the journey, stay a while. This is where you can find the tools and the fire to continue on your path. Join Odin and Tyr and answer. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Winter's Call. I'm Odin. This is Tyr. And today we're going to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart, and it is prepping. But prepping can be this huge, massive, you know, totally freak out type of thing. Or you can take it, you know, how do you eat a whale one chunk at a time? So... First, let's lay down some uh, let's lay down some definitions. There is a difference between being a survivalist and being a prepper. A survi- so survivalist is like me, where you throw me into a situation I haven't prepared for, but you throw me into a situation or into an area I find what it takes to survive, and usually it's a very singular goal. Right. It's not creep oriented. It's about individual survival, and it and it tends to be more short term. Like, survival tends to be uh, you're trapped in the woods type of scenario for a couple of days. Worst case scenario, you're looking at a month, right, uh, of uh, an issue. Prepping is more a lifestyle. It's kind of like homesteading, but for survival. And uh, it tends to be long-term. And usually, if you're going to do it right, it has to do with thriving as a group. So that's the difference. Now, I am a prepper and a homesteader. I uh, have survivalist training, but I use it to augment my prepping more than just relying on being a lone wolf type of scenario. Now, I have a family, so it it tends to keep me in the general area of prepping. I'm I'm sure if, like, my wife was to be like, okay, I'm tired of your shit, get out. Then I'd definitely be a lone wolf. (laughs) Be in the middle of the woods fucking somewhere, just, I don't want to talk to anybody. Oh, so like me in my cabin right now. Yeah, kind of, kind of like that. <laughs> so instead of talking about specific topics, and if people really like this episode, we can definitely do a prepper's corner type of thing. But uh, so what we want to talk about is why we need to prepare. Right. And and the mindset behind preparing. Uh, there's a difference between being a prepper and being a hoarder as well. Uh, a person who hoards uh, goods, uh, food, uh, toilet paper, like happened in 2020, you know, gas that happened earlier this year when they, you know, <laughs> they hacked the Russia pipelines, right? Those types of people are hoarders, and I don't respect hoarders. I do, however, respect preppers, homesteaders, and survivalists. The, the difference being is that a hoarder gathers supplies out of fear. And most preppers are not prepping out of fear. And homesteaders never stock up goods because of fear. They do it because it's a way of life. They want to be independent. They don't want to be reliant on a government. And theoretically, I could end the podcast right there. Why do you need to prep? Have you watched the news? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, even the good side of the, you know, even the, even the left side of the news is starting to talk about, hey, uh, we noticed that there's a lot of empty shelves in the grocery store. Hey, we noticed that there is a lot of uh, shortages. We know that prices are starting to go up. Even they have to pay attention. And when, when, they, when they're agreeing that, hey, you know, what's going on? These prices are going up. There's a reason. And if nothing else uh, about prepping that you're worried about is sit here and you could always sit here and just remember that sometimes it rains. There are more things to prep for than economic collapse, uh, EMP, uh, tsunamis, volcanoes, more than that. Sometimes it just rains. I mean, look at Texas. You know, they had the, the cold snap that screwed up their power grid. Uh, sometimes you get floods, sometimes you have hurricanes, earthquakes, you know, j- even minor ones that just cause a power outage. You know, you see, or you get some jackass who's sitting here cutting down a tree in his home and he hits the power line. 
know, if you're not in a, you know, if you're not in a major section of the grid, it could take two or three days for them to come out there and repair it. Sometimes. Okay, look, <laughs> look, look. I'm gonna tell you a perfect example. Like when your neighbor gets sick and his kid decides that he's gonna do something good for his dad and take care of, you know, thirty-two hay bales on a semi truck, rolls right over a particular swampy part of the ground and shatters your water line in a six foot section. Sometimes it just fucking rains <laughs> like shit that you can't control. Well, yeah. And it doesn't have to be a, you know, I, you know, it doesn't have to be a whole horrible situation. It could just be, you want to save money. Yeah. If you take a prepping mindset, you want to be self-sufficient. Hey, uh, Vegetables are fucking expensive in Walmart. Well, guess what? I'm growing my own. Learn how to can to grow your own. Eggs get expensive. You raise some chickens. You know, that kind of stuff. So, Well, it, it's one of those things, though, that's like... Being self-sufficient on some of these things saves money. It, it helps you out. It, it makes you so that when shit hits the fan or when something rains or you're not as... I don't want to say frantic, but that's that's what happens a lot of times. People lose their cool. They get uncomfortable. They freak out, and that's when you start making mistakes. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, it really is. It really does when you're self-sufficient. You know, I call it prepping, homesteading, survival, right? But if you're self-sufficient, which covers all of those, right, you don't have to worry about crap. I gotta have to take a pay cut, or they're gonna penalize me in my health insurance uh, every month because I don't want to take the vaccine. I'm not gonna get fired, but they're gonna increase my insurance. So you figure if you can save one to two hundred dollars using uh, self-sufficiency practices or couponing or that kind of stuff, right? Or supplies that are stacked up. Hey, all the better. You know, then you can ride through that financial issue. You know, uh, so let's talk about why we're prepping. In today's world, we have lots of reasons to prepare. We already talked about the shortages. Uh, they're talking about, they're estimating that the cost of uh, energy during the winter months, when it's going to get cold, uh, people are going to use more electricity uh, for their heaters. You're going to use more natural gas, more propane, more heating fuel. All of these, on a nice estimate, they're estimating an increase of 54%. So take whatever your normal electric bill is in November, December, January, February, and multiply it by one and a half times. That's what your electric bill is going to be. Can you can you weather that? Most Americans cannot. My mother asked me, so if you were to see the inside of the cabin, there's a, a particular part where the refrigerator sits right now. That there is a, a hole in the wall that's been that has a plug, and then there's concrete board. She's like, it's so ugly. I don't understand why you have this, and it sits on tile. It's like because when when shit hits a fan or we run out of power, I've got enough coal in a pile, and I have a pot belly stove. I will be fine. I have a well. I have a pot belly stove. I can cook. I can drink, and I have dry stuff saved up. Right. It's simple little things you can do like that. Right. And it's little change. It doesn't take big stuff. I mean, you can prep. And I started out prepping where I just bought whatever I was going to buy that was non-perishable. Even some perishable stuff, if it's still got a shelf life of six months. And I would buy it when it was on sale. And I would just buy, you know, 50% more of something than I normally did. Or there were times when money was tight. Uh, when we were moving and stuff like that and we couldn't spend a whole lot of money because it went into a house or repairs or whatever. Five, ten bucks. You know, you go to uh, Dollar Tree and uh, you can buy five cans of Spam or five cans of whatever or, you know, peaches, uh, pears, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's easy to make those steps and remember even the smallest step in the right direction is still progress. I wonder how many people would realize how much they would save 
yeah, it's a bit of a hassle. How much you would save if you versus buying, let's say, one can of soup. You know, by the time you buy enough to to be useful for cans of soup, you could have bought cans of all the vegetables and everything else and have, you know, ten times that amount for the same price. Yeah, when you start buying bulk uh stock and stuff Not like that. Not even just bulk. It's like when you start making your own food. How many people do we know that if Wendy's was closed, they would not be able to... Picking on Reaper, dude. No, that wasn't a jab. Well, maybe. But, yes, it um... was. Yes, it was. <laughs> but no, think about it. How many people do we know that if fast food was to close or if they weren't able to get pre-prepared meals, how many of them would be teetotal fucked? Oh, you know, at some point... Uh, this is what doesn't make any sense to me. Is that... If you had a if you had a child who's graduating high school and they didn't know how to tie their own shoe, that would be cause for concern, right? But they didn't have the they didn't have the skills to be able to tie their own shoes. I get it. They're they're the Velcro and they're the slip on. I get it. But to actually be able to tie their shoes, we view that as a as an actual skill, right? That, okay, fair. That people would need to know if they were out on their own. Why don't we do the same thing with cooking? We used to. You spend 30% of your life eating. Did you know that? Right. 30% of your life you spend eating. You would think you'd know how to cook. It is the one thing that you're going to need to do every fucking day is eat. And yet we don't teach cooking. We don't teach self-sufficiency. We don't teach the skills. We don't teach any of that stuff. One of, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I, was, I was dating a lovely young woman. And my mother could never figure out why I broke up with her. And, and when she found out at first, she thought it was really petty. But I, I told her, I was like, I broke up with her because, yes, yeah, she was nice. She was wonderful. But I didn't know you could burn water. I didn't know that you could lack that. You know, it, it was one of those things, and it sounds petty when you when you think about it. But you dig a little deeper and you realize she didn't know how to cook. Clean. She didn't know how to do anything useful. And I'm sorry, but are you saying that a woman's job? No, I'm just kidding. I was gonna. No, I'm not. I'm not. A woman's job to cook and clean and stuff like that. When I can, when I can hem pants, when I can make clothes if I need to, when I can repair things like that, you know, I sit here and I think about it, and I like, you know, how do you not know how to do things like this? These are things that my parents taught me. So that I was ready to go. Uh, these are things that we learned in my generation. Well, but then I I agree with you. I mean, there these are skills that if you are single or even if you are married, these are skills that you need to know. They're called being an adult. You can't use Uber. You can't go out to eat every day. What happens when the power goes out? What happens when, heaven forbid, a hurricane comes? And you're trapped in your house for a couple of weeks. What happens if there's an earthquake? What happens if, oh, I don't know. What happens if you're one of the unvaccinated and say that they can no longer participate in society? You saw the video. I've seen the video of the woman who tried, who ordered a Starbucks in the drive-thru and he wouldn't give her the drink because she wouldn't put on the mask. He was willing to offer her a mask through the window, but not to give her the drink until she put on the mask. <laughs> Prepping for the wrong shit. Uh, it, it's... Well, aren't these basic skills that people should have learned? They are, but so was gardening for a long time. In the United States, you know, uh, after war, uh, during and after almost every major conflict, these things about victory gardens show up. And they were designed that uh, you and your three family members, because it was designed for two adults and 2.5 children, how much they could grow, what they should grow, when they should grow, when that, you know, how much space they needed. And it wasn't a whole lot of space, but it was so that the, the supplies that were necessary for the troops would get to the troops. It's called a victory garden. So they wanted you to be self-reliant. Uh, you had people during the Great Depression who learned how to forage and learned how to prepare their own food off of stuff that they could find on the land. These are skills that a society will gain and lose depending on the success of a society. Unfortunately, um, the richer a society gets, the stupider it gets. 
Ain't that the truth? When it comes to things about survival, when it comes about self reliance, the more the more affluent and successful that a that a uh, society is, the less it relies on the land. There are people who have no idea where their food comes from. They they are so used to walking into a store, picking up meat from a freezer, or picking up boxes inside of a grocery store, or driving through the drive through to pick up food, that they have no connection to the food with which they eat. Here's something that happened to me in Kroger a couple years ago. Uh, it blew my mind. It's one of those things where I'm just like, I, I, don't, I don't understand. I was talking to my buddy. We were going down to get, um, what were we doing? We were getting a rack of ribs and something else because we were going to do a barbecue. And I was talking about how I would much rather go down to the farm where I know we had just slaughtered cows and get a rack there. Right. And this girl looks at me right dead in the eye and goes, I can't believe you do that. Why you should do it here where no animals were killed. Yeah. Like she thought she legit. Like I questioned her. She legitimately thought that these things like kind of just spawned in the store. Yeah. <laughs> like that, I don't understand. That is that connection. Now I'm going to be honest with you. I sit here and I, I run a homestead and I have chickens. And I make my sons kill and slaughter chickens, rabbits, pigs, that kind of stuff, right? I help them. I'm there. But they need to understand that there is a connection between the food, that the, the animals that we kill, the crops that we raise, and why we need to take care of them. Why we need to be good stewards of our property because we need to sit here and make sure that we always have it. And that connection is lost with a lot of people. Like, no, it doesn't mean you got to be Farmer John or some backwoods Billy that that's just a professional hunter or professional that that it doesn't you don't have to be that level. But having the basic knowledge, like just the bare basics, can help you out more than you would think. Do you know why I decided to go the homestead route with my wife instead of going the whole solitary, will killing eat off of the land? Well, because unlike, well, I'm going to say this, that the more you and I talk about stuff like this, the more I understand where you come from with the, the, the prepping and the homesteading versus the survival. Because survival is not just, it's just not sustainable. One right. man's not an island. Well, not only that, but you figure that you have 360 million people in the United States right now. If the grid was to go down and power was to be lost, the grocery stores have three days, three days worth of food. After that, you're on your own. Government's not coming to help, especially if it's like an EMP grid down situation. Government's not coming to help. No foreign entity, no NATO, no nothing. They're not coming to help us. They're going to enslave us and put us in camps. If you don't want to be in that, if you don't want to be in that camp, you need to sit here and realize that you have to do it yourself. But say you have 360 million Americans. How long do you think that the deer, the bear, the the squirrels? All that stuff is going to live in the wild before it's absolutely hunted out of extinction. A lot longer than you think because most people wouldn't know what to do. Well, okay. In in a worst case grid down scenario, I'm, I'm gonna throw some I'm gonna throw some numbers at you. Within six months to a year, seventy percent of the population of the United States will be dead due to starvation or man's inhumanity to man. That is just a straight fact. 70%. So you have 360 million people, 70% of them are gone. So you say you have uh, 6 million people, right? 6 million people left in the United States. They can go through a lot of food. Really they quick. can. They can. But again, you're also realizing a lot of these people. Now, here's, here's where I lean more towards the survival or finding a more secure location. Than just uh, in an area like, like say where I am now or where you are now, you're too close to people and people get desperate. They get very desperate and they're willing to do, they're willing to do any number of things that you have to fight. And eventually I don't care how many of you there are on that homestead. Eventually you are going to lose. Right. If they get desperate enough for losing. So, but that's my thing. Like survival for me is is a tool to use until I can get to a location. A location that I know. Because think about this. 
you've got places that there are vast tracts of land, especially if you go out west. There are vast tracts of land where people don't go. Yeah. All you have to do is find one of those. Eventually, most of your people are going to congregate in the coastal areas or along a river or somewhere else. Most of them are not going to be able to survive. You're going to have people like <laughs> me that are scavenging and hunting and trapping and things like that. Yeah. But most of these people, I mean, you're not going to have. I think the, the 70 percent is a very conservative number. I think it it's is. a lot higher than no, that. It is. They, and, and that's the, the first six months to a year, 70%. That number gets statistically worse. Of that 70%, the, it gets statistically worse the longer we go into a grid situation. Because you have your typical preppers who don't think anything about self-sustainability. They just sit here and want to be able to make it through the rough times. You're looking at a year uh, worth of food, generally. And that's if you have the force... At the people and the force to repel an attack. Which is why I tell y'all, you uh, in in our little family here, that come to Valhalla, come to my house. I've got food. You know, it's easy to defend. We know where it's going. You know that kind of stuff. Well, right, and, and I'm not I'm not saying it's bad, but uh, there are times where I'm like, mm, I get that. But I would literally stay there long enough to get prepared to move somewhere where I know no one's going to be. Oh yeah, me too. I'm just saying, me too. <laughs> but I think that's I think that's a, the biggest difference is I'm I'm more the. I can farm. I've done it my whole life. I hate it. I love uh, to farm. See, it, it seems well. I, I love to farm too, but it seems like every time I plant something, I grow more weeds and rocks than I do anything else. <laughs> I didn't know you could actually grow rocks until I did my garden. Um, but and, and really, it does depend on what you're planning for or what you're right. preparing for. Like right now, we have La Palma going off, and there, you know, the media's telling you, "Oh, there's no possibility of a tsunami." There's always a possibility of a tsunami. It's happened before. So if you're going to prep for that, that's fine. I, I really think that a government collapse followed by an EMP or an EMP followed by a global collapse is the most likely scenario. So I prepare for that. And the reason that I prepare for that is because if you're prepared for a long-term EMP grid down situation, two, three years, you know, minimum, right? You can pretty much survive any other attack. I mean, unless you get hit by the fucking asteroid, or you're living on Yellowstone, you can survive most of that shit, right? Most of anything else. So uh, if you want a real in-depth look at what survival is, no holds barred, no bullshit, you can talk to us all you want. But I highly suggest that you get a book called Survival Theory, A Preparedness Guide. It takes the worst case scenario and <clears throat> it describes it in very, very basic terms. It talks about hygiene. It talks about the theory that, yes, you have guns. Yes, you have bullets. But is that 50-pack bag of rice worth your child's life? Because in a gunfight situation, that is one of the risks you're going to have to assess. It also covers topics such as there's a reason that women were viewed as the fair sex and in Wild West times and ancient civilizations that they were prostitutes because women need to do what, it, what they need to do to survive. I'm not saying they're not strong women who can resist that, but statistically speaking, that is what's going to happen. They're either going to sit here and become women of the night by will or by force. Especially if you have a husband or a boyfriend who's going to be like, I can take on all those fucking marauders. You ain't John Rambo. Let's get that through your head right now. You're not fighting off 400 marauders who are coming to take your food. You might. Hell no. You I, see, okay, look, I see a group coming at me. My first response is not to fight them. My first response is, hmm. Is there any way I can trick them? Is there any way that I can trade them? Or is it better that I just get the fuck out? Right, and I have caches of food in different locations for that reason. If somebody comes to my house that I'm not willing to go to war with, I can sit here and abandon that property, wait for them to get comfortable, and then go slit their throats in the middle of the night when they don't expect me to come back. That is how that works. 
So it talks about those types of scenarios. And it is a very brutal, very realistic look at the mindset behind survival. And a lot of people aren't going to like it. And a lot of people will refuse to do it. And that's fine. Just tell me where you buried your stuff. <laughs> Just say it. Uh, and and again, though, you, I can't stress this enough. There are going to come times where you don't have a choice but to fight. There there's, are times that there's, happens. There's always a choice. Ronald Reagan said it. You can have peace right now. And that is with absolute submission and surrender. And if you're willing to do that, that's fine. But when the government comes to put you in the little FEMA camp. Oh, I'm not even talking just government. I'm talking when people get into a, you have people that get in probably three basic mindsets in a situation like this. You got your warlord. Their ideology is they're going to take everything by force. They're going to take care of themselves and make everybody else do the work. And they're usually charismatic and they don't seem like they'd be all that violent, but they will. That that's one of their mindsets. Are you saying I call that it, they're cult leaders? Uh no 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 no. The the, the, the right <laughs> I the was just reverend, fucking with you, relax. The 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 right reverend Chum Jones takes offense to that. Are you saying you're no, gonna uh, be a marauder? <laughs> well <laughs> I will neither confirm nor deny. Um but no, then you've got your other you've got your homesteader, your prepper, like you guys. Right. And then you have the desperate sheep. And I, I don't know how else to call them, but they are the, the hangers on the useful tool, the idiot, the people that will do anything it takes. They'll bow down and lick anybody's feet to survive. Well, that's a decent trait and they do survive. And usually a lot longer than other than, than better people. The warlord gets a whole bunch of these and they are willing to do all manner of unspeakable evil to you. Because they don't have to take accountability for it. Well, the the sheep become more dangerous way before that. I'm a, I'm gonna be honest with you. The sheep, when it comes down to, and this is why I don't even tell my neighbors that I'm a prepper. I don't tell them I'm a homesteader. I hide my fruit. I hide my vegetables for a reason. In a best case scenario, me and twenty of my closest neighbors all come around and become you know start this thriving garden community. In a realistic scenario, the people who are lazy will continue to be lazy. And they will continue to be lazy until their child is starving. Till their wife is starving. Till they are starving. And then even if you give them just a little bit, they're going to come back and want more and more and more. Eventually you're not going to have anything to give and they will attack you. And I know that people want to sit here and go, oh, but that's not the best of mankind, blah, 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 blah. Look at me dead in the eyes when your child is starving to death. When they are literally one meal from death. And tell me that you won't slip my throat so that they can eat. Tell me. Because I'll call you a liar to your face every time. I'll go one step further. Are you so naive that you think that... that you know, the best of humanity is the norm. No, that we have seen time and time again, where during a dangerous situation, the mask of civility is pulled away and we reveal that we really are demons. If you ever want a better example of it, go look at what happened in Hurricane Katrina in the Superdome. Go read those fucking horror stories. And that was a small scale. Imagine it is worldwide, if it is countrywide, or if it is statewide. Watch. Watch what fucking happens. People are not, history is not divided by the times that people were good. It is divided by the times where people found better ways to fucking kill each other. <laughs> I like somebody, just as an aside, one of my favorite things is... is I, I ran across a, a guy on, on TikTok that made a comment to me. He goes, uh, well, if we didn't have guns, people wouldn't kill each other. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> guns are just the next natural progression. We used to stand up people thousands upon thousands in a line and give them pointy sticks and say, I kill each other. 
right? You get you get you get pointy sticks. You I can mean, throw look from at afar. the ages. We went from the Stone Age when we were killing people with stones to the Bronze Age where we were killing people with bronze to the Iron Age where we killed people with iron. Now we're in the Industrial Age and we're fucking nuking each other. Do you really think that this is going to end up well? I'm just saying. No. I mean, man's inhumanity to man is what we're known for. You know? <laughs> and it it just amazes me that people will be like, oh, no, it'll be fine. No. No, it won't. When the government comes, when the people that you think are the good guys are coming and they're offering you free stuff, the answer should always be hell no, because there are strings attached. There's nothing free. Tan staffle. It's an economic term. It means there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Tan staffle. You thought I was going to bring up a character from a book, didn't you? Tan staffle. That was Tasselhoff, by the way, for those of my nerds in the audience. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Stavel. All right. Well, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Something there's nothing free in this world. Death, death is free for you, but not for whoever has to bury you or those you leave behind. You know all of right. that stuff. You know, there's nothing free, and I don't understand these people. That I'm not saying you have to be a professional at all this crap, but come on, the bare necessity. We have people. That are supposed leaders that can't even change a goddamn tire. What are you talking about? We got people who can't freaking talk their way out of a paper bag and currently put the greatest of them in our, as fucking president of the United States. Give him some ice cream. That's still elder abuse. That's what I say. But anyway. Okay, okay wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. Here we go. Pete Booty Judge, our transportation... Secretary, who has done nothing for the last two months because he was on fucking paternity leave. I'm sorry, what? They put them in a hospital bed so that they could take pictures. I thought all the hospital beds were full of people who were suffering from COVID. I didn't see any one of those two dudes giving birth to those twins. I didn't see any of those two dudes get a cesarean in the birth of twins. I didn't see any of those two dudes suffering from postpartum depression. Why the fuck do you need two months of pay? Uh, and and if your wife had a cesarean, I'm okay with paternity leave in that case. But you're both fucking dudes. One of you could fucking go to work. And can I pick the one who's supposed to be the fucking charge of transportation in the middle of a goddamn transportation crisis? And what pisses me off even worse is that our president, O'Biden, let's go Brandon, bitch, sit here and didn't appoint a replacement during the fucking paternity leave. Oh, no, no. Hold on now. Hold on. He did do something during that time. He did. He Who? did. Who did? Oh, no, he did. He did do something. Who? He 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 gave us the first openly transgendered four-star admiral of the public health civilian corps. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so so the answer to China shooting space rockets and space lasers is we're going to get him with the four-star transgender general? Perfect. I, I I I will sleep under the blanket of that freedom just about as well as I will sleep in the fucking tundra at negative 80 degrees below Fahrenheit. I will freeze my ass to death before I will believe that that is safe and secure. Look, I would trust my wife with something that's more relentless before I would trust that. Yeah, fair, fair valid point. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, think about it, though. We sit here and you look, and half of our supply chain problem is because how many fucking container ships are off the coast of California right now? Thousands, thousands, and thousands. Well, I guess Biden finally got that flotilla parade, huh? Well, he had to compete with Trump's numbers somehow. So let's just leave the cargo ships out there for six months and see how well they fucking stay. No, but 
What's so funny is that everybody's fucking blaming each other when they should be blame, putting the blame squarely on this fucking administration. But they don't. The shipping companies say that the that they don't have the trucks. The trucks say the truckers say that for California at least their vehicles don't match the new restrictions for admissions that they fucking set out. Fuck it, come to Florida. All of you boats, all of you truckers, come to fucking Florida. We'll unload it from here, and we'll just leave California out of the loop. Just saying. Well, and what I don't understand is in all of this, uh, we're getting a little off topic for the prepper, but this is a situation you have to you have to learn to look for because all of this could have been avoided if they didn't have vaccine mandates or mask mandates or. Tell people, like in California, uh, if your truck's older than 2018, it's not allowed in the state. So they can't get truckers. They can't get anybody to run the cranes and operate the cargo yard. And so the cargo ships just keep stacked deeper, deeper, and deeper. And most of that's where, because we're a country of of consumers rather than fucking producers and that of anything is why, useful. And that is why we should prep. That right there is why we should prep. You should not depend on a grocery store. You should not depend on a restaurant. You should not depend on the government to take care of your basic needs. Do you know how long you can survive on beans and rice? A really long time, but your toilet is going to hit you. (laughs) True. All right. It makes a good deterrent, though. Look, I will give you the basics. For each person, you need 750 pounds of food per person if you keep them in three categories so if you're going to go out and prep this is what i suggest for each person in your family 250 pounds of corn 250 pounds of rice 250 pounds of dried beans that'll get you through and it's not going to be anything fancy but it'll get you through a year's worth of food and then you say you collect rainwater now you supplement that and extend that by doing your own Grocery, you know, growing your own chickens, grow, eating your own eggs, adding. Uh, I'd add one thing to that. What? Because you can buy them in bulk and they stay forever in, in those cans. Wheat berries. Wheat berries is another one. They're really good, but you need a grain mill for it, really. Well, you yeah, you you can yeah, you can jerry rig one up real easy, but not even that. Though. Think about this. Your wheat berries can be cooked just like they can be cooked just like rice, and then you can you you dry them out, you push them out, and you bake them into a, a loaf. You make a it, it's not great, it's not wonderful, but it's it's doable, right? You'll or and here's my favorite one, and my son loves this one because he loves spam. Half a can of spam. Is the protein and the salt equivalent that you need for the day, right? So you need effectively 187 cans of Spam per person to have Spam at every meal to meet all of your protein and all of your salt requirements for the day. How awesome is that? You know what blows my mind about that? Somebody got mad at me and they were like, well, it it can't be healthy. You want to know how to take care of your salt problem? Spam. Oh, no, it's a bitch and a half. No, I'm just talking about if you wanted salt. Just salt. Salt water. You could do salt water. Or you could go out and buy about three or four deer licks. That's all it is, is salt. That's true. You You got to grind it up. You got to grind it up. Well, they recommend that every person should have, that you you should consume in a one-year basis, 10 pounds of salt. So here's salt licks would be fucking perfect for that. I didn't even think of that. That's one of the things that one of the first things that I was taught was salt is important. You can use salt to cure things. You can use salt, to you know, especially if you're in a hot environment, you need salt to to maintain your electrolytes and things like that. You can just have a bunch of those blocks because you could just break them up. And as long as they straight stay dry, (laughs) they're there. That's fucking genius. Well, go give me some salt licks. Now, here's something else that most people don't. Tampons and pads. Bullet wounds and perfect bandages. 
<laughs> yep. Here's another interesting one. Did you know you can keep up on almost two gallons of water in a condom? Yes, that I did know. <laughs> okay, there we go. But That's no, okay. um... did you know that if you ever run out of eggs, you can use blood as a substitute? Mm-hmm. That's something else that people you get squeamish. People get squeamish well, because they don't understand. I'm not saying fucking your your neighbor Bob's blood, but like deer blood, chicken blood, all of that stuff that we get rid of. I mean, you sit here and I, if I have to butcher a chicken, I don't harvest its blood because I have eggs, right? But I can still use the blood for other things, and I use fertilizer. the awful. Well, yeah, I use the I dry it out for fertilizer. Blood meal is awesome. But I also sit here and I feed the offal back to the chickens. <laughs> Most people don't realize chickens will eat just about anything. They will eat each other, yes. But no, think think about those. It's simple things like this that people would never even think of. Yeah. And it, like, it did takes... you know you can use fishing line? Fishing line is basically the equivalent of what most of you have as stitches. Yeah. Practice. Any skill that you learn, practice now. Because you don't want to realize that you suck at a certain skill when you need it to survive. <laughs> right? Take, look, I, I'm not going to lie. You sit here and you should take one foraging class. You should take at least one cooking class. At least one. Right? You should take a foraging class. If you need help with identification... There are websites out there like eattheweeds.com. Not only does he, they do they tell you what you can eat in your location, but they tell you how to prepare it. There are plant identification apps. Learn Look, how you, many people do you know that don't un, that don't realize that if you need something in a pinch and you need, you know, and and you're in an area, even uh, this is even urban. You're in an area, dandelions. Yeah, they're great medicine, they're great teas, they're great for you. My other favorite one is purslane. It is another one that grows everywhere. And it is a weed, but it is a huge painkiller. It is equal to morphine. So I mentioned. Here's one. Here here's a fun one. Uh this happened last year actually. Um when I went camping. Local area, you think I'm in Kentucky, we're in the middle of the woods. You think everybody knows how to actually build a campfire properly. Um, but these people were from Ohio. <laughs> Fucking Buckeyes. Anyway, um, so they decided they were going to build a fire ring. And what they did is they went down to the river and got all these rocks <laughs> from the river. And they made a, a platform. They built the fire up on the platform, and they had all these beautiful stacked stones around it. And I didn't know where they got. I didn't even know anything about it until afterwards. But I'm sitting over here about four or five campsites away, and all I hear is a bang. <laughs> oh, they superheated their rocks with the water in them. Yep, and boom. I'm like, you're lucky you didn't get killed. Who how, who thinks that, you know, it, it's simple things like that, though, that will kill you. I get it. Well, I mean, so you sit here and you get like, hold on, what app do I have that I use? So I would recommend that you go get, it is called PlantNet, right? It is an app. Go out into your yard and take a picture of all the different plants. It, you take a picture, you take a picture of the flower, you take a picture of the leaves, you take a picture of its fruit and its stems and all of that stuff, and it will tell you what plant it is. Learn what plants grow in your yard as natives. Learn how to harvest them and turn them into food. If you live in Florida, find kudzu. You can eat every part of that plant and it grows so fast it'll beat you home. Just saying. Kudzu flower. I mean, it's not the tastiest plant, but if you need to survive, do it. Palmettos. Palmetto hearts are awesome. <laughs> Oh, shut up. I'm not saying eat the berries, <laughs> but the hearts, if you cook them right, they're fine. I don't like artichoke, and that's every time I think about palmetto hearts. It's every time, I, every time I've tried to eat them, I'm like, ah, it's artichokes. Yeah, essentially. But, like, 
find the native plants that grow in your yard. Find find the fruits that grow in your area. Grow and buy. Okay, here's my rule of thumb. Buy stuff that your family eats. Grow stuff that your family doesn't hate. And find stuff that your family can eat. That's that's the way it works. Is that if you if you buy the stuff that your family eats and put it in rotation, you can grow the stuff that your family doesn't care about but will still eat. And then in a survival situation, you know what your family can eat to not die. That's the rule. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. My house, my yard is covered in blackberries and beauty berries. Ooh. I do not like beauty berries. is not my thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like to taste them. Now, they make great jellies and my neighbors are so pissed off that I don't mow them down. <laughs> I just let them grow. They're a native species. I have I have I have date palms in my yard that produce dates. I don't I like harvest, dates. I don't harvest them because it's a pain in the ass. I just let them grow. But if I need them to survive, I can eat them. Same thing with the sand pears. I have sand, Florida sand pears. They make great jelly, but they are horrible to eat fresh. Just say it. Well, it's like um, like one of the things up in here in Kentucky is is chicory. Great oh, substitute. Okay, no, 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 no. It's a passable coffee substitute. It is disgusting, but it'll get you through if you don't have coffee. <laughs> Look, a a good a good cup of chicory coffee is better than anything that comes from Starbucks. Odin, you and me are going to fight about that. Just because I hate Starbucks. I I get that you hate Starbucks, but uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say that chicory coffee is better than Starbucks coffee. All right, mate. Maybe this needs some comparison. In the state of Florida, which is where I live, we have another ca- caffeine substitute. It's called the Yupon Holly. It has caffeine in it, right? Mm-hmm. Here's what you don't know. Do you know that the bo- the botanical name for holly is vomitorium? Guess what they <laughs> use the plant for? Just saying. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. It has caffeine it, in it, and sometimes that's all that matters. <laughs> Be oh, eating fair. a fucking plant. Ah, la, la, leave my coffee. La, la, la. <laughs> it's little things like no, no things in your area though. It doesn't have right. to be a lot. Yeah, and Simple like things. I said, use the Plant Net app. Take pictures. Find out what it is. Find out if it's a weed. Find out if it's edible. Find out if it has medicinal purposes. Grow your own medicine. Grow your own food. Uh, you know, there is a old saying that it talks about with uh, sustainable food uh, and growing your own medicine and stuff like that. It's physician, heal thyself. You can use food and herbs and spices to heal yourself. Can I, can I point something out? Sure. You want to know, and it never ceases to amaze me because I, I, I hear difference of a pain on this all the time, but it's one of the things I just, I've never understood why people don't understand this concept. Never take 100%. There's a simple reason. You cannot, you need to plant more than you will eat because you need to be able to plant again. But if you get plants like asparagus, asparagus will keep growing back as long as you don't take it all. Well, Statistically, three to four years before it gets too woody and it's not edible anymore. Yeah, at that point, you can use it for other things. <laughs> yes, yes, you can. <laughs> Go ahead and say it. I dare you. I dare you. I dare you. I have a survival instinct. I'm not saying it. <laughs> I dare <laughs> And then I want to be in on the phone call that results. <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I mean, it. I don't think people understand. It's not this humongous monster. 
Oh yeah. You like, break it down. You break it down into small parts and just go from there. It's celery, a little things. Celery regrows time and time again. Onions regrow time and time again. Do you not like celery and onions? No, I like onions. I don't like celery. Ugh. Get to okay, look, celery. Look, 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 look. Here's why I don't like celery. Uh, my parents, and then when I was younger, they all had this wonderful idea. Now, to mix three three things that I used to like. See, I like peanut butter. I like raisins. I used to like celery. Ants wrong. in a log. But when you put them together, that is wrong. Ants in a log. <laughs> Ugh. Dried flies. On shit. <laughs> On a green. <laughs> I just, I don't know what it is. I do not like raw celery. Now, I'll use it in stuff like that. I don't mind that's, that at all. That's why I like dehydrated. Because, uh... Celery is really easy to grow where I live, but it's time consuming. So I always buy dehydrated versions of the basics. Like I, I have poundage of as specific as I'm going to get poundage of dried bell peppers, dried onions, dried celery, and I forget what the other ones are, but I have a bunch of them. That I use them in stews because if they're dehydrated, they'll rehydrate when I put them in the stew and I get the flavor. But I I grow the fresh versions for like salads or for snacking. What? What? Nothing. Nothing. You don't eat fresh green peppers? I like green peppers. I thought you talked about celery. I was like, why the hell would you put celery in a salad? I love celery. I put celery in everything. I bet you like cilantro, too. No, oh, no. I know, no. Did you know? Okay, by the way, way, interesting fact. I have that genetic defect. I was going to say, I do, too. (laughs) When I taste celery, (laughs) it tastes like Irish spring soap. No, cilantro. I have that cilantro, yeah. I have that issue with cilantro. I just I cannot and I have tried I have tried the dried, I have tried the fresh, I have tried the paste, I have tried everything anything with cilantro just I would rather eat parsley. Fair? Fair? I would I'll be honest with you, I'd rather I'd rather eat um celery. Anything. Anything besides cilantro. Yeah, yep. like if I knew something was going to taste absolutely disgusting, I would just season the shit out of it with cilantro because then that's all I would taste. <laughs> 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 uh, Mom could never figure out why I didn't like it, and I, I when I finally found out that that was a genetic defect, I was like, oh, that's why. But uh, I always told her, I was like, it always tastes like because my parents washed my mouth out with soap when I would cuss when I was growing up. Fat lot of good that fucking did, but <laughs> but they used to the, that blue bar of soap. Oh my god. The way it smells, the way it tastes, cilantro. Okay. So my son doesn't care one way or another about cilantro, but since we're talking about putting soap in their mouth to stop cussing, right? Or to stop doing anything. My son, my youngest, Alex, my beloved angel, was a biter. And we would always sit here and if he would if he would mouth off or if he would bite, we would have him bite on a bar of soap. My son developed a taste for fucking soap. So I would put it in his mouth and he would bite down on that shit and chew it and swallow it. And I'm like, fuck. I guess I'm <laughs> So I guess I'm using organic soap. <laughs> so we started to get milk soap so that when he would bite it, we tried hot sauce. He developed a taste for hot sauce. We sit here. Although I did find that if I if I really needed to get it, that shaving cream gel, because the more he tried to swish it out of his teeth, the foamier it got. <laughs> was the only thing that worked, and uh-uh. and he only did it a couple of times. The agent of chaos himself. Yep, pretty much. Pretty much. Arson is the answer to everything. Yes. Yes, yes. So. But no, like I was saying though, break find find small things. Do small things. Like I'm not saying you have to go out there and collect rainwater, but 
you can go out there and, and and realize that if you do collect rainwater, you can use it to water things. Well, you have to check your local laws because there's a possibility that it is illegal to correct, collect rainwater in some areas. Which is the dumbest bullshit. Right? Mother Nature created it. Who are you to sit here and try to tax it? Or well, it's legalize like, it? Now, or you can go on the opposite side of that spectrum like I do. I found out how to make a generator. Yeah. Do that too. <laughs> with a crank, with a hand crank. Yep. Or do it with a bicycle. You can learn things like that, but no, what you need are just simple things. Like, okay, instead of going out to eat, prep meals. Yeah. Or instead of getting fast food. Yeah. If you sit here and, and me and my wife, we would do this. We would prep. It would take us about 12 hours to prep an entire month's worth of meals. And we would do uh, freezer meals so that we could throw them in the crock pot. So we would get all of the different ingredients. It could be sweet and sour chicken. It could be sour cream chicken, all of that stuff. Right. And we would put it all in a Ziploc bag and then we would freeze it. And then we, when it came time to cook it, we dump it from the Ziploc bag straight into the uh, crock pot, turn it on low. Eight hours later, we have dinner done. No muss, no fuss, no dishes. Everything is done. By the way, if you're going to be buying rice, don't buy white rice. Yes, buy white rice. No. Yes, it lasts no. longer. I I know that, but it's got less nutritional value than the brown rices. Don't care. <laughs> you just don't want to do all the work for the brown rice. <laughs> no, I can take no. I can take rice, right? White rice. Rinse it twice. Throw in more water than is needed for the rice. Let it cook. Throw in whatever I want to season it with, a little bit of saffron, real saffron, not that BS stuff. Or if I want to do like a turmeric and a cumin and throw it in, let the rice steep, throw in some dehydrated celery, right? Some cilantro, because even though cilantro in and of itself tastes like soap, when it soaks into the flavor of the rice, it's not that bad. Right? I throw some lemon so we can get some... Uh, lemon cilantro in there right and uh let it cook not absorb all of the stuff till it gets to the consistency of the rice that you want throw it in your colander rinse it off again and you're good is the best way i've ever had rice and it's white rice and i can set i can flavor it however I want, and if I really want it to be fucking yellow, I'll add saffron to the bitch. Just saying. Here, I thought you said you were just going to put white sugar on white rice. I was going to snap. I know. I know you were waiting for it. You're like, I'm waiting for him to say sugar. Although, a coconut milk, the the coconut concentrate with it, and not, I don't usually put anything sweet in my rice. But the coconut milk gives it a nice uh, flavor to it. I like using the the coconut milk to make uh, curry. Yeah, and then pour that over the top of the rice. Yeah. But before we get off onto that, like I just that's what I was meaning though is you take little things, learn little things, and you'll be amazed at when when shit hits the fan. If you put all these little things together, it amounts to a whole lot more than you thought. Well, it's like corn. You know, everybody sits here. I had mentioned 250 pounds of corn. That seems like a lot. And if you buy it in a little number 10 cans, it fucking is. However, you can go to a feed store and get whole corn, which doesn't have any additives. It's literally just the fucking corn. They sell it in 50-pound bags for 12 bucks. You want your family to survive? Stock up on that shit. Let you know, the problem soak. is you got to cook it a little longer. Put <laughs> it in a crock pot overnight. Let it soften up and get some of that back in. Or fucking run it through a mill and use that shit as fucking cornmeal. You had to dry it out for that shit anyhow. You might as well use it for that. Cornbread is fucking awesome. So it's cornmeal mush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mush, mush and eggs. Mmm. Mm. I don't know. I just, I'm always, 
everyone always says it's so big. I don't know if I can get into it. One step. Remember what I said at the beginning. Even small steps in the right direction is progress. And don't start off going, I need a year's worth of, of food. Start off with, I need 72 hours. From seven, Once you get 72 hours, go, I need one week. Then I need two weeks. Then I need three weeks. Then I need four weeks. Now you're at a month. You go from one month to, okay, now I want to get to three months. You go from three months to six months, six months to a year. By the time you get to that six-month mark that you're prepared, by when it sits here and it goes to the year, you're like, shit, I got this. You'll be so into it, you won't even notice it. You'll be used to the rotation of the food. You'll be, you know, sit here and look for substitutes. Like, uh, if if you have, instead of buying uh, baby formula, right? Say you have a youngin, or say you don't want, you don't like dehydrated milk because that shit is awful, right? You want some extra vitamins and nutrients. Look for stuff that you you wouldn't normally pay attention to. Nitto is a perfect example. It's a Mexican company that makes dehydrated milk, but it's got some sugar and nutrients in it that they use it for toddler formula. It's just milk with nutrients in it. Get it. The shit is sweet. Your kids will love it. Here's one thing. It, it, it blows everybody's mind when I say this. Slim fast. Yeah. Protein drinks are awesome. They 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 have all of the nutrients that you need. Plus, you can add them to add them to breads, add them to different other things back and forth to add that much more nutrient. Yeah, you just bulk up on your stuff. Those dry, uh, the greens, the the bulk powders of the greens. A lot of people don't like how they taste by themselves with with water. But if you add them to a soup and you you increase the vitamins and nutrients, because remember, the importance with food prepping is that you need to figure out what your base metabolic rate is. So you're going to take your height and your weight, and you're going to go online and find a calendar for your base metabolic weight. And it's going to tell you, based on your height, weight, and sex, how many calories you need to consume. Now, a lot of people use it for weight loss, but in a prepping situation, you need to sit here and figure how much you're going to need to store. Don't do servings. Servings are bullshit. Nobody eats a serving. I'm just going to say Nobody eats a fucking <laughs> So what you do is you sit here and you take how many calories you need, right? And then multiply it to get your activity rating. Assume that your activity rating is going to be high when you're in a survival situation. You have to walk, forage, take care of your food, patrol the area. You need to, So you're basically going to multiply your basic mod- metabolic rate by 1.9. Right, and that'll give you the amount of calories that you need to consume per day to stay average. Just because if you eat the the recommended calorie count from these long term survival things, you're going to come out looking like a Holocaust victim. Mm-hmm. You're going to be emaciated. That's a bare. That's a bare minimum to keep you alive. That's not even to thrive. That's not to maintain. That nothing. That is literally going to kill you. You need to do your basic metabolic rate at 1.9 times. So I'll give you an example. Mine is about 2,500 calories. So if I multiply by 1.9, instead of needing 2,500 calories per day, I need a little over 4,000 calories a day. Huge difference between the two of them. I'll say when, when you're in that situation, you'll be amazed at how much you need to eat. It becomes all about... I mean, our... Regardless of where you think humans came from and all of that stuff, for most of our lives, we were nomadic people for most of our existence. We traveled. We weren't in major cities or societies. We we were nomadic, and we spent all of our time eating. It was the ability to grow food in one spot that is what stopped us from wandering. It was food that... Cats became domesticated. It is food that dogs became domesticated. Because we use the dogs to hunt for food. We use the cats to keep the rats out of the way. Out of our food. That is why. (coughs) You will realize that everything in your life in a survival situation will be shelter, water, food. Food. In that order. In that order. (laughs) In that order. 
All right, so the rules of three are like this. You can survive three minutes without oxygen, three hours without shelter, three days without water, and three weeks without food. But remember, in the middle of surviving, the most important three. You can only survive about three seconds without hope. You need to believe that being prepared and taking this path is going to sit here and get you along your way. You need to be prepared to make hard choices. You need to be prepared mentally. And don't forget, when you're prepping, being a deck of cards or your favorite board game. Why? Because morale is important. That three seconds without hope, if you don't believe that you're going to survive, you will die. Period. You will give up hope. You will not make the hard choices. You will literally be a placeholder. Your spirit will be gone. Your body, you'll be a zombie is the best way to play. Half the battle's in the mind. Yep. So I think we're in a good spot just for an intro. Why we need to prep. Because sometimes it rains. The world sucks and the government's out to get us. Got it. And we don't want to be dependent on anybody. It's not about fear. It's about being self-reliant. It's, you know, about striving to do what our forefathers did when they survived. It's about independence. Yeah, I think we're in a pretty good point. So I say we stop it for this time. And if if we get a lot of listens, we can do another Prepper's Corner. Maybe tackle a topic or two every week or so, depending on what we get. So what do you think? I like it. All right. Yeah. All right. So with that saying, I am Odin. This is Tier. And thank you for joining us on another episode of Winter's Call. The preceding podcast is brought to you by Heimdall, Keeper of the Bifrost.